Welcome back to Morning Trade Live. Markets right now are processing one of the best jobless prints of the year as numbers come in lower than expected, reflecting strength in the employment situation. Let's talk about what that means for the Fed and markets. Kevin Gordon joins us from Charles Schwab, Senior Investment Research Manager on the phone. Morning, Kevin. Morning, Oliver. Good to be here. Thank you. Appreciate it. Good to have you on. So this is quite a number here. Uh, tell us me how we're uh, pulling these off still. Uh, well, I mean, I think it's still an indication that there's pretty strong labor demand on the side of companies. And you can see that not just in the headline initial claims number, but if you look at initial claims relative to continuing claims, uh, so, you know, longer term unemployment, people who stay on insurance for a longer time, uh, you know, that trend is still going up, meaning that anyone who's been you know, laid off recently has been able to find a job relatively quickly. Um, and I think you know, it's consistent with a, the, the tick up that we saw in JOLTS recently. It's consistent with a stronger non-farm payroll survey, um, even if some of the other indicators underneath the surface for the labor market have started to weaken. Um, you know, things that are related to layoffs um, have started to soften recently. So definitely not good news for the Fed because it suggests that you know, wage growth is still attractive enough for people to enter back into the market, and there's still enough demand uh, for companies that, you know, aren't in the sectors that have been hit too hard by this unwinding of the stay-at-home trade. So the tech situation, very different from the rest of the American corporate landscape. It sounds like there's quite a divide that's uh, opening up here. Is that right? Yeah, there is a divide. And, you know, I think that this is sort of the, I don't know if you want to call it the show me moment. I mean, and it's not a, just a one moment in time or a one month snapshot in time, but this is the broader, longer unwinding process um, from, you know, anything that was stay at home or goods dominated into services. And it's, it's now, you know, whether we're able to see services hold up, um, even in the face of higher inflation. But the rub is that as economic growth and overall activity continue to hold up, if it is on the services side, that just acts as, you know, puts the floor sort of on inflation um, and, and sort of keeps it elevated. So, again, from the eyes of the Fed, probably not something that they want to see. So if they're looking for continuing, you know, loosening in the labor market, trying to get more slack, they're probably, you know, given the green light from prints like these that we keep getting on a weekly basis, um, now that we've reclaimed almost half of that surge in initial jobless claims, probably just going to give them more, uh, you know, more fuel to go harder and, and press on the brakes for, for rate hikes. Does this tell us that the economy is stronger, more resilient uh, than uh, perhaps the recession indications from earlier this summer? Uh, what does that look like now in terms of what this tells us about the overall economic situation going into the end of the year? Well, you sort of have to bifurcate. I mean, if you look at something like GDP, and you, you, are, we'll talk, you all were talking about the revisions a little bit earlier, um, obviously there's weakness there. And, you know, no matter what the driver is, a, uh, you know, two, two quarters of negative GDP, even though that's not the definition of a recession, it's, it's never a good thing to see that. Um, but on the labor side, that is where the strength has mostly been. Although, you know, in a leading sense, um, if you're looking at the broad array of leading economic indicators, whether it's the group that's within the, the metric that's tracked by the conference board or any others, um, you know, we're still in a decelerating trend. You know, we've had six consecutive months of a declining LEI. And even within sort of the payroll data, um, you have the household survey that's diverged from the non-farm payroll survey. You've got an uptick in multiple job holders. Um, you've got the rolling over in the average work week. And, you know, that's probably more indicative of maybe a shift in the labor backdrop, at least for this uh, you know, late cycle uh, era and, you know, whether we're in a recession or not, we'll know later. Um, and, and whenever the next one comes, you know, nobody can forecast that accurately, especially in these days. But that is the difference 
today is that you have companies sort of hoarding labor a little bit more, keeping a hold on to workers because it was so difficult to attract them in the first place when we reopened. But they're just cutting hours more. So weekly pay itself has come down dramatically, um, especially in the face of higher inflation. So I just think that, you know, there's more under the surface within coincident data, but certainly in leading data, even if claims have started to roll over, broader economic indicators, whether manufacturing related or work week related, um, have still signaled that we're, we're in a decelerating trend for sure. Mm. So eventually uh, we will get a deceleration that perhaps uh, meets the Fed's criteria, but do we have any idea uh, if that's going to bring their inflation criteria? If so far uh, we have inflation surprisingly warm and jobs surprisingly warm, is it impossible to get a timeline of when this regime will end? Uh, well, I think it's, it's pretty impossible to get a timeline in, in today's environment, only because, you know, the, the focus for the Fed is inflation. And so growth aside, um, we, we really just have to focus on what the trend for inflation is. And right now, it's nowhere near where they want it to be, even if we're expecting to see some softening prints. Um, and even if you look out, you know, the, over the next eight months about, if, if you just got flat readings on CPI month over month. I mean, it would take us until about April to get to 2%, you know, year over year on CPI. That's obviously excluding any other exogenous factors. So it's never going to move in a straight line perfectly that way. Um, but we've got, some, we've got some time to get there. And, you know, the rub is that they're not really concerned too much, they meaning the Fed, um, about what the growth picture looks like. And, you know, subtrend growth, um, I think that's sort of a code word for or maybe a lighter way to say pain, which they've mentioned now a lot more, um, and that's really just a code word for recession. And, you know, it doesn't need to be an epic uh, takedown of the entire economy. I do think that, you know, um, when we sort of step back and look at prior recessions and if we, you know, go back in time pre-2008, um, there are sort of factors today that line up more with some of the more mild recessions that we've seen in the past. Um, but that's all, again, assuming that we can get inflation under control. Uh, but, you know, the rub today is that we're still sort of flying blind as to how much of it is supply driven and how much of it is demand driven, um, even though we've seen this pretty epic receding in the monetary and the fiscal tides, uh, there is still a demand pull component to it, um, even though a lot of it is still being cost push driven. Um, that, that's just the murky nature of this. So until we start to see some, you know, material weakening on a month over month basis for inflation, which we know is a coincident to lagging indicator, um, I'm just not sure we can do any victory laps, and the Fed is definitely not doing that. So, you know, in terms of what it means for risk assets, uh, that's why we sort of fade any move that's predicated on the Fed, you know, imminently pausing or turning immediately to rate cuts. That just doesn't make any sense from, from our standpoint. Mm. Uh, Kevin, uh, are we discovering that this is more a demand than supply uh, relative to the narrative coming into this year and earlier this year, uh, just real quick, uh, do you think that we're getting more evidence that maybe this is not just imbalances in the supply chain, that maybe the Fed is right to try and target demand? Well, if you, it depends on which sector you're looking at, but I think something like housing, um, probably more demand-driven, but also pushed by the nature of what the pandemic was and what it did to the economy. But, you know, I always say that, especially now, if you want to see if the Fed's policies are working, you can look to housing and, and see that it's working pretty well. Um, and not as much for existing homeowners, but the would-be home buyers, uh, they've been almost completely shut out of the market, whether it's the spike in mortgage rates, the, uh, you know, the price of homes, and it's taken longer to come down. Though we've seen some softening in the data that we got earlier this week, 
But then that third leg of the stool is the income component. Um, you know, even though income growth and wage growth has been relatively strong under the weight of higher inflation and weaker confidence, whether it's because of asset prices or because of overall economic growth slowing down, um, you know, those sort of three areas have been a significant weight on the consumer. So I think that's helped bring the demand in, um, but it obviously hasn't been enough to make its way over to the inflation metrics. And even within housing, you know, that's the, that's the rub with the lag with housing and something like the shelter components of CPI or PCE. It's a historically a, a really long lag. It's about 16 months for that to feed through into weaker rents. And, you know, this is a different cycle, so I'm not suggesting that we have to wait 16 months from now. But I do think it's going to take time for that to start to roll. So while that takes time to roll over, the Fed is sort of looking at what it can target in the meantime to bring down even faster. Um, but that's obviously the risk as we move into next year is how hard did they go this year and was it too much and did it sort of, you know, unearth too many things and, and unearth the potential really to break too many things in the next year. I um, mean, you know, we won't know that, but I do think that some of the policies are starting to make their way through right now. Okay. Uh, great assessment for us. Uh, excellent start to our show. Thanks, Kevin. Thanks, Oliver. Kevin Gordon, Senior Investment Research Manager at Charles Schwab, putting everything into picture here after a good data print again this morning.